The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Do you personally feel there's a disconnect between yourself and the locker room, the players? I don't. Where do you... Do you expect to be the coach here tomorrow? I don't know that. Do you, do you think you should be? Yes. Why? I know that what I've done here for three years, and I know what I put into this, and, um, you know, I know that we're capable of going. Uh, I know the type of coach that I am. I believe in myself. Um, but, again, this isn't about me. This is about a, a group that's hurting in there. we got to get some rest, and we got to get ready for Buffalo. What, what could you have done differently in, in preparation to get these guys better prepared to play tonight? It, everything. I didn't do anything well enough to get us ready to play tonight. And so if that's the case, then why why should you be the coach if, if, that, if that's games, games like this, Games like this happen in the NFL. To every coach that's ever coached in this league, you can look at any great coach that's ever coached in the league, sometimes games like this happen. And I don't need to retrace history, but it's just it's part of sports. Sometimes there are games where it doesn't go right. None of it. And you got to put it behind you and you got to move on to the next thing. Woo. <laughs> that was last night after the game, Rita. And I think today we were all on Staley Watch and the news came down. He is, in fact, out, no longer the Chargers head coach. Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, welcome. Thank you. Please help me dig into this. This, this day has turned into such a busy news day, which is not so normal on a Friday. But um, a Friday we were on holiday on top of that. <laughs> a Friday before a holiday. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, listen, um, everything that he said was cute. I mean, those are things that you're supposed to say, I guess. So I'm not mad at him for saying that. But uh, the way, it, when you get skull dragged, the way that the Chargers got skull dragged last night, uh, it is... 63 points, Rita. 63 against points. a Raiders team, against the Raiders team, that that scored zero points just four days ago against the Vikings. Exactly. So a 3-0 win uh, of the Vikings against the Raiders on Sunday, and you're telling short me week. that... Short week. Yeah, on a short week. <laughs> okay, that they can just muster up 63 points. Uh, yeah, that's a lot. And so, look, the, the also the GM got fired as well. And honestly, look, that probably should have happened anyway because I don't even know who the backup quarterback was last night. I don't know where he came from. And clearly the way he played, he doesn't – he didn't know where he came from either. He was just there uh, collecting checks. And good for him, right? But ultimately, this had to happen. I really felt like that this was a situation that should have probably been taken into account – 
after the playoff game against Jacksonville last year, you're up 27 points and you find a way to just fumble that season uh, away in a second half of a playoff game to me uh, says a lot about coaching and what it is that you're doing. Then you go into this season that he was brought in Brandon Staley to be this defensive great coach, right? From the Los Angeles Mm -hmm. Rams. Well, the Chargers were one of the worst defenses in the National Football League. And then when you look at the talent that they had, you can't understand how they were because they had Joey Bosa. Although Joey Bosa has not played in a few weeks, he has been dealing with an injury, but he played for majority of the season prior to. Then they had yeah. Khalil Mack. They got him uh, in a trade. Then they had on the back end, I believe they have Asante Samuel Jr., which we've seen his father play uh, numerous years. And they had James at the safety position, Derwin James. So I don't understand how this defense with the two, with the guys that I just told you about was one of the worst in the NFL, which says a lot about you as a coach who is supposed to be a great defensive mind. So I, if I was Dean Spanos, the, the owner of the Chargers, I would have let him go after last year's playoff debacle. That yeah. would have been enough for me. But it allowed him to have an opportunity to, you know, come back this year, see if they can re-bring this magic back. And uh, plot twist, the magic did not come back. And in fact, you were worse than last year, which is embarrassing because Justin Herbert is being wasted at this point. For sure. I mean, the only thing that surprised me... Um, yes, this is cute. You thank them all that. We know you got to go through the formalities. No, no. But did you I read like what he said? Where they're like, the first one, like, we parted ways. <laughs> the first little no, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite line in this, doing nothing in the name of continuity was not a risk I was willing to take. That is a slap in the face, okay? Whoa, that was a lie. Doing okay? nothing in the name of continuity. <laughs> That was well played, okay? So that was a nice little letter until you got to that one part. And I was like, "Woo, it got hot in here real fast. So, yes. <laughs> well, listen, I don't think this came as a surprise to to anyone. The only shock is that it took this long, really, right? And so, look, you have a talent in Justin Herbert who was there. And probably because of this coach, some people may not think he's as great as he is. Some do think he's really great and and just not being properly utilized. Where do you fall with that? That's my first question. And then secondly, just what's next? Chart for the Chargers, for Staley, what, what's next? I mean, look, you know, it, it really is a shame to see like Justin Herbert being wasted. It's funny because when he was at Oregon, Um, You know, he was known for, you know, having a big arm, a cannon arm, being able to throw deep ball passes. And then when he's gotten to the NFL, he's well and had been Brandon Staley as his head coach. He has not really done a whole lot of uh, that. His yards per attempt have gone down. Um, They play very conservative at times. And look, I understand you you don't have Mike Williams, although you still have Keenan Allen. Uh, We've talked to Austin Eckler. We've had him on this show and we had conversations with him. And, you know, he was a part of what they were doing. But remember, Austin Eckler was also frustrated with the situation of the running backs and how he was being treated. So there was a part of that. But ultimately, you know, they had a good enough nucleus of a team, in my opinion, to not be as bad as they were. And to me, you got to start looking at 
what is it going on? And coaching is the first thing that you go to. As far as what they are going to be doing moving forward, you got to be curious about what it is that they want to do. I've already seen people try to put Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald into the mix. Uh, they're also going to be looking for a GM. So Joe Horowitz, the uh, Ravens player of development, I've also heard getting the mix. But there's one guy that do that 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 does both things. Nat, it's one guy that does both things. That is leaving. Um, is he in New England right now? Might currently? be that guy. Also, on might the be the guy. <laughs> might be the guy in New England. He he. What did Bill Parcells say? He buys the groceries and he cooks the food at the same time. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's something that you allow Bill Belichick to do at this juncture because I do think that coaching he got to do one or the other. I don't think that he should be able to do both. But if you are Bill Belichick and you look at this roster because this is a good roster, do you say I'm back or do you say I'm not? The, I'm not Southern LA. I'm not you know, Cali taxes type of dude, even though you are, you know, in Massachusetts, but do you just say, no, I don't want to do it. I'm ready to ride off in the sunset and do some other things. Or do you say, this is my chance to ride off in the sunset the way I would like to? Cause we know that Bill Belichick doesn't love the way that his team is playing right now and how they're going to end not. their season. So there's a possibility right. for that, but it will be interesting to see where the charges move from this point out. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a great question, uh, and I I I really would like to know what is going to happen with all these coaches. I feel like, you know, Bill Belichick has probably built up enough. Maybe even if it's time to move on from the Patriots, he just has built up such an impressive resume and name. I can't see there being, you know, there has to be some interest for him. And then in terms of Brandon Staley, I mean, I don't think there's a head coaching gig up for him next, but. He'll just what probably would you? someone's staff. No, of course not. But what do you think? <laughs> is he gonna take a little time? Because I mean, he was so snippy all year with the press, and I mean, I'm sure some of that is about knowing he's on the hot seat. So I mean, oh, for what sure. do you think happens for him next? Look, some people are just not good head coaches. Some people are just much better coordinators. Yeah. And Brandon Staley could absolutely just fit into that category. It's possible that he goes back into being, you know, uh, linebackers coach, defensive backs coach. I don't know. And then work his way up back to defensive coordinator. But I do think that the resume of what he's built in terms of what he's done as a head coach should take him out of the conversation for a couple of years. Now, this is the NFL. We know the NFL loves to recycle guys. We know that they love to recycle specific guys. So it would not shock me in the least if at some point Brandon Staley gets another opportunity before a guy like, I don't know, Eric Bieniemy or a guy like, I don't know, Steve Wilkes, because that's just kind of how these things go around here, right? But ultimately, I think that he'll he's going to get another opportunity as a defensive coach and that's how that's going to play out. But it will be interesting to see two, three years from now, will we be having conversations about Staley potentially being back in a head coaching mix over guys yeah. that have put in the work? Yeah. Something in common with uh, enemy and that Steve Wilkes guy you just mentioned. Mm. Wait, what could it be? My thing. I can't quite put my finger on it. But uh, anyway, <laughs> let's uh, move on because there's been other NFL news and I, I don't a point to talking about a coach who is now out the door and their season is over. So 
earlier this week, um, there's some news that came out before earlier in the season. We were hearing that Roger Goodell was against the tush push. And, you know, we knew that there was maybe going to be some changes to the hip drop tackles. But, you know, it's been a lot of things circulating. But he 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 re, he rebuts that, Rita. He says that's not true, uh, at least with respect to the tush push. So let's hear from Roger Goodell and hear what he had to say. I haven't taken a position on that one. I think, um, you know, the last year the committee had a lot of different views on that. Uh, the membership did. Um, but, you know, I want to hear that again this year. I want to hear uh, how people feel about it. A lot of it's I like or I don't like. I, I think we want to look at is there enough data to talk about the safety of it? Uh, are there other aspects of it that we need to think about? A lot of coaches uh, talked last year about innovation would come off of that play. I'd like to take a look back at that. Has that really occurred? Um, so I, listen, I think it, in anything, it's important to hear the different perspectives, let the committee do their work. Um, I'll be able to participate in that. And I'm sure we'll have a position by March. Rita, what do you think is the reason for this change? Cause I, I, I do believe he's probably changed his position. I don't think credible, reporters were just out here misreporting or misrepresenting things. So do you think it's been the attention on it a little bit? Because you've had a lot of players and like people in the NFL who've spoken out about the tush push, like that aren't even on the Eagles. Like we shouldn't take this away as recently as even Jerry Jones, you know, like it should stand. You don't actually have players getting hurt as a result of it. And it feels like it would just be penalizing one team. So do you think it's that kind of talk? I mean, the NFL does what it wants to do, in my opinion. So I don't know that that would really change their mind. But what do you think is maybe the reason for this shift, maybe in his position, or maybe this delay and letting things play out some more? I mean, when you start having owners start speaking up and saying, this is not something that we are looking to get rid of, then I think that that's part of the issue, right? Like, okay, well, he speaks for the owners. And Jerry Jones is one of the most powerful owners in the National Football League. So if you got a guy like Jerry Jones who is on the side of the tush push, then you probably have a lot more owners on the side of the tush push, which is why they're probably like, oh, okay, this is something that we're not really going to uh, go after. Also, this is an offensive play. Okay, we are in the times where the NFL is about all offense and to take away something like this, I just don't think is something that they would want to do. The, the, the rules have absolutely been in favor of the offense. And this would just be one, you know, situation where, again, like you said, it feels like it's towards one team because we don't see often too many other teams doing a tush push. We see the Philadelphia Eagles do it, but not other teams have uh, taken into what they're doing. So the bigger issue for me is the hip drop, because once again, this is another penalized situation for the defense. How are they going to be allowed to tackle at this point? And I think that that's a valid question. You're not really allowed to tackle high because a lot of times when you do that, you have helmet to helmet contact. You can't do it low because they say you're going after their knees. So the middle of the is, is essential what you're getting with hip drop uh, hip drop tackles and it happens all the time that that's the thing hip drop tackles are not something that just happens once or twice a game it happens right. regularly 
When I watch college football, that is all these players are doing because that's what they've been taught to do over the past few years due to yeah. the rule changes that the yeah. NFL has had. So yeah. it, it, I don't think that the percentage of injuries to to tackles is as high as they'd like it to be. The problem is, is that you're seeing too many people, I guess, of prominence be injured, like a Mark Andrews that got injured on a hip drop tackle a few weeks ago in the Ravens game. But again, I don't know what defenders are supposed to do at this point. If you take away, if you can't hit high, you can't hit low, well then... Hips are in the middle. So I'm not really sure what exactly it is they were going to do. I never once thought, never, that the brotherly shove was ever going to be a situation that was going to be taken out because the league loves offense too much. But what they are going to do is simply subtract every single thing that the defense players, or the defensive players can do. And now it's going to make them an even more situ- a situation where they just cannot get right. I just don't know yeah. how that's going to work. We'll see how that yeah, goes. You have, you have to imagine that some of the owners or as well that like, look, you don't want things like that taken away because if your team eventually has something like that or masters it, you don't want it taken away from you either. Right. For so there's sure. some of that thinking involved. And, you know, it's interesting because I mean, I mean, we'll be talking about the NBA later, but it's also another league where defenders feel like the rules have changed so much over time and they cannot defend in the same way. And that just seems to be the continued progression, you know, of the NFL. Wow. Yeah. And when you talk to offensive players too, there are a lot of guys that don't even agree with this because again, it is football. Football is a dangerous sport. Football is a contact sport. And so while you understand that there are going to be things that you can prevent, right? The helmet to helmets. Mm -hmm. Yes. We can try to phase that out. Even going after the knees, that's something that we can phase out. But there are certain things from a physiological perspective, I just don't know how that's possible. Them saying that, oh, when you sack somebody, you can't put your whole dead body weight on. Well, I don't, you know, everybody's not intentionally doing that, but these are 300 yeah. plus pound linemen. Yeah, you know what you I'm even... saying? So, <laughs> how do you tell somebody, yeah. um, you oh, you tackle them softly, but don't put your whole body weight. Some In, in some cases you can, and of course it's egregious and you can, put, you can throw that flag. And then in some cases, it's just really just science and that you just, it just fell the way that it did. But you can tell it's not intentional and they're getting flags. So again, I don't understand what defense, defenders are supposed to do at this point. You can't hit them high. You can't hit them low. You can't hit them in the middle. Right. You can't put your body weight on nobody. I mean, are we playing flag at this point? And 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 again, you'll hear yeah. former players, both sides say, <laughs> I don't really love this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I. It's look, it's something above my pay grade. Um <laughs> Mine but, too, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, we do have some games this weekend. And while the hip drop tackle is still permitted, I'm sure we will be seeing some of that. So um, to me, I'm a little bit more interested. I know like Saturday NFL is back um, now that the college season is, you know, not with us. We're bowl season I, now, so, you know. Yes, but I, I am... I am more interested in the Sunday game. So there's two in particular that stand out to me. Um, I think in part it's because I'm an Eagles fan. So now I'm very in tune, paying attention to what the Dallas Cowboys are doing. But also just because I think Bill's Cowboys is um, just one of the better matchups that day. And also both teams have a lot you know, at stake. Different things, right? Like, But they both have a lot at stake. So what are your thoughts on this game and who's winning? 
Yeah, this is interesting. I mean, listen, um, the Cowboys, like you said, they're pressing because while they do hold the tiebreaker currently in the NFC East, they have to try to maintain that. And I don't think that they they, they have a pretty tough schedule the last four games. I don't of the think season. they do. Oh, I mean, they're ahead, but I don't think they have the tiebreaker. Like if 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 both teams went out, the Eagles have it. Right. So I think if both teams went out, the Eagles have it. Right. But but right. It, but I, right now but they're ahead. But ultimately. The, the thing is, is that their schedule is pretty tough. The Cowboys schedule is pretty tough yes. moving forward. And yes. this is the first, this is the first stop. Buffalo, at Buffalo. Buffalo is mm-hmm. an extremely hard place to play. And Dallas is the stadium that plays inside. Uh, Buffalo, at this time of year, it could get nasty. It could be a blizzard yeah. going on this weekend. It could be negative 10 degrees this weekend, which isn't the advantage of the Bills. The Bills are in a situation where they are currently out of the AFC playoff picture and their back is literally against the wall. They had to win the game against the Chiefs, I said last weekend. I definitely picked them against Kansas City because to me, they're the more desperate team. So now you're doing this again against the Cowboys. I understand that this is a non-conference um, opponent, but at the end of the day, the wins and losses still matter for the Bills. They yes. have to find a way to win down the stretch. So yesterday, I kept going back and forth about this, and I was like, I think the Cowboys might pull this out, but I think I'm going with the Bills. I feel like that the elements of being in Buffalo, which is completely different from being cozy and inside in Dallas, could potentially be in favor for the Bills. I'm going to go with the Bills in a, a very small margin. I'd say about three points, but I think they squeak out a win against the Cowboys. Okay. Well, you know which team and, I'm and I, Look, for. I'm saying this with all the injuries that the Bills have. They have injuries in the secondary and on defense. Uh, Trey White is out. They lost another guy. Uh, Vaughn Miller hasn't really played well. So they have more things against them than the Cowboys do. I just think that sometimes when you feel the pressure and you have to respond and you have to stand up in a moment, it's all about that and you overcome those types of situations. So I do think yeah. that even with everything that the Bills have going against them right now, I think that they'll find a way to squeak out a close win. Well, I am rooting for the Bills because... We know you are. But also, (laughs) good thing, because like everyone knows I'm not a pro Josh Allen girl, so I'm putting my faith in Josh Allen for one game. Don't be Josh Allen, who I've been (laughs) criticizing all year. Be the Josh Allen the other people say you are. Okay, so... Um, and then of course, Sunday night, Sunday night, a team that, you know, very well, the Ravens facing off against the Jags and the Ravens right now, they have the top spot in the AFC. Um, and there's this debate around whether they're the best team in the AFC or not, or whether they're best team. Cause people feel like the Ravens are a little confusing regardless of that. They too, I'm sure want to hold onto their spot. The dolphins gifted them something with that terrible loss earlier this week so they are now they are now in control of their destiny they are now in the number one spot so they really 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 i'm sure want to win this game but the jags also have the colts and they have the texans right on their heels so both teams with a lot to play for what do you think about this game rita Yeah, this is interesting because, like you already mentioned, the Jaguars are only one game ahead of the Colts and the Texans. And so, really, you know, you would think that 
playing Trevor Lawrence would not be something that they'd want to do because we know that he has a high ankle sprain. Well, I think that they're feeling the pressure because they're only one game ahead of the Colts and the Texans. And so now you're forcing a guy to play with an injury that can really be nagging and can really be struggling uh, as the game goes on. And we saw, you know, last week against the Browns that, you know, the the stats will tell you he did this, but if you watch the game, he just didn't look comfortable. Yeah. He didn't really look as good. Yeah. Um, so there's that part. And then they don't have Christian Kirk, their uh, number one wide receiver there as well. So, you know, this is a situation where the Jags are also pressing. But I don't feel like that this – I don't feel like that this works in their favor due to the injury at the quarterback situation. There's another part of this, too. The Ravens were up against the Jaguars last year in the fourth quarter, and that was one of the games that they squandered away and lost uh, to the Jaguars. So I definitely think that they have this game circled on their calendar because of how they ended last year. They have a much better wide receiving core this year, the Ravens do. I definitely think that this is a game that the Ravens can – Everybody's like, oh, it could potentially be close. I'll be honest with you, Nat. Every time we sit here and say, oh, it's going to be close. We said this about the Lions. I know. We said this about the Seahawks. They demolished them. So I... They have another incentive, though, here, too. They can clinch their their playoff berth this week. So another incentive. I mean, I I believe they need a little bit of help, but, you know, it's not a whole lot of help. I'm picking the Ravens, and I don't think that they win small. I think they they win by two scores. The Jaguars are going to be pushing. And, again, Trevor Lawrence not being 100%, (laughs) playing with a high ankle sprain. Look, everybody can't be Pat Mahomes. Everybody can't be Patrick Mahomes out there, you know, playing with high ankle sprains and being just fine. I just really feel like that this is potentially more dangerous for them than it is helping this situation. I was shocked he played last week. I understood why they did it, but I'm like, man, listen, I would have been monitoring them games because from the moment I see, like, you know, they they were not going to win that game. I don't know. I would have pulled them because it ended up being like you played them for no reason. All the teams lost. So, yep, um, we will see. But you know what? We have company that we need to get to. So yes. we're going to put a halt on this here. We still have some more NFL-related stuff to talk about, though. So we'll be back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Hey, over the last 24 hours, there's been a lot of people who have had a lot to say about the comments that I made on my sports show, Fourth and One. Some true, some not so true, some subjective. All of it is still opinionated at the end of the day. I think the thing that I have a problem with is address the point that I made 
not me. And I think oftentimes that happens in regards of athletes trying to make their point. I respect all commentators who has an opinion about a game that they've never played. But my issue comes when I start seeing commentators speak about a person who actually played the game and has his opinion to be had. That's my issue. When a person who actually lived it, prepared for it, played it, did it at a high level. Now that's discredited by poking fun at the person himself. Almost to say like, shut the you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm like, hell, I played 11 years in the NFL, a league MVP, Heisman Trophy winner, five-star athlete coming out of high school. If anybody can talk about this matter, whether right or wrong, it's still subjective and it's still heavily opinionated. Who can? Whether I play another snap in the NFL ever again, trust me. I will be straight. The work has already been done. The proof has been in the pudding. The truth of the matter is this. As I start taking this media space very serious, I can do what you've been able to do. And that's give your opinions about different sports topics. The reality is you couldn't do what I do. Or in this case, what I did. But when I say stuff like that, oh, that's Cam's ego. I mean, he's right. He's right. You know, um, we talked about this earlier in the week. Welcome, Kelsey Nicole Nelson. Uh, we talked about Cam because, you know, it's funny because he makes these remarks about game manager quarterbacks versus uh, game changers. Um, and it was actually about a week or so ago, but I guess people didn't realize it that he said it and it got picked up. Someone tweeted it and like Twitter ran with it. And so it became a hot topic this week, even though he said it like a little over a week ago. Um, he threw out some names as game managers. Brock Purdy. I wish I could say it exactly like him because I love the way he says Brock Purdy. Um, <laughs> but Dak, he threw out Dak, um, Goff, some others, and called them game managers. And so there was a lot of pushback. A lot of people being critical of him, especially those in the media. Um, and yeah, it was a hot debate. So we talked about it this week. I don't know where you guys stand on what Cam Newton said, but I do agree with him in this video because it did seem a lot of the media like, look at this headline. Cam Newton doesn't understand what game manager actually means. Like, who are you to tell a professional athlete who played quarterback and who was an excellent quarterback, by the way? Like, we don't need to, like, front like he was, like, some scrub, right? Very, very, very good and capable quarterback that he doesn't know. You may not agree with his definition, but to say that he doesn't know what it really means, to me, is is a bit much. But there was a lot of commentary like that in the media, like, kind of questioning him, calling him out. And so... Yeah, you know, people were speaking up for him. So, Kelsey, I saw you getting some tweets off, so I'll start with you <laughs> and then read curious what you think about this. Thank you, Nat, and thank you, ladies, for having me. Yeah, I felt a way about this. And, you know, quickly when this conversation started, I saw so many people getting on Cam Newton. And quite frankly, the disrespect was loud and the disrespect was clear. And I'm so glad. And I think Cam Newton did it in the classiest high road way with a splash of his personality and his response. But, you know, I just felt like, wait a minute, why are y'all getting on Cam, a man that led his team to a 15-1 season? He said an MVP and a man who has played this game at the top level. When if you really listen to what he said, and again, I think because us as a society, 
society need to do better on our education system, obviously. Folks didn't know what a game manager was. And I took it, what he said, I was like, oh yeah, I think Cam is absolutely right in his comments. But people started, you know, talking about like, he needs to stay at home. That's why he's not playing. The man knows that. That's why he's in this next venture, right? Into media and something I think Cam honestly does very well. But I think people were just so quick to forget, you know, a great Cam Newton that we saw, right? With the Panthers, you know, and a coach that I now get to cover here in Washington. And yes, you know, people talk about what happened in New England and all that stuff. But I just thought a lot of the a lot of the people just, you know, coming for Cam was because they hate him as a person. And honestly, it's a lot of the loud and wrong commentary I see about Deion Sanders as well, because they dislike him as a person and can't separate it from what he has done. Now, again, I know Cam is a very out there quarterback. I love that, you know, the hats and everything. And maybe that's not for everybody, but everything that was coming towards him, it was not warranted. And again, I think Cam could have went a lot harder at people, but he actually praised some media members in that, which I thought was great. Media members who I all think, well, most of them, that we hold to a very high standard um, <laughs> in terms of, of commentary. Because, you know, we, we went through that list of names. But all in all, I just think that Cam said the right thing. But, you know, people are real protective of their quarterbacks and all of a sudden just started throwing targets and darts at him that weren't necessary. So bravo to you, Cam. I understood what you were saying from the beginning. If you want to mention another media member, go ahead and mention my name because I was right there with you, Cam. Rita, some people may not care. People may not like his sense of fashion. I don't really care about that. Sometimes I'd be liking it, sometimes I don't. But he said, come buy them hats. He's making his money. So that's what he said. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rita. <laughs> he did. He did. And, and I love his um, cigar lounge, by the way. The food is really good there. So uh, he told people to go to Fellowship. Go to Fellowship. The food is great and the cigars are nice. <laughs> I don't love his hieroglyphics uh, wording. I do think that uh, I, I, as a person who does gr uh, read at a great level, it does confuse me <laughs> at times. However, what I will say, though, <laughs> is that uh, Cam is very articulate. And, and while I didn't necessarily agree with him the first time that he said it, the way that he explained it this time, I completely understood and I actually agree with the point that he was trying to make. The problem is what, Care, uh, what Kelsey said is that the fact that people just don't like Cam Newton and that's where we are. We're having a conversation about Cam because people don't like Cam and they haven't liked Cam for quite a long time. I did not forget when you were upset when he was dabbing and doing all of these things. Yeah. And now you have an opportunity to rag on him because he said something about your favorite player or something about your favorite team which is just silly to me. He's allowed to have an opinion like everyone else is. And so, again, I, I hate that it, it came to the point where we're attacking Cam and talking about his career and lying about his career because we don't agree with something that he said. It's really ridiculous. It's unfortunate. I watched Cam Newton go to a Super Bowl with yes. Jericho Cottree. <laughs> Ted Ginn Jr. and Calvin Benjamin. Yes, I know we talk about Greg Olson, but Greg Olson was essentially the best player on that team. And his number one wide receiver was Ted Ginn Jr., who was underwhelming in his entire career in the National Football League. And I would argue a much better returner than he was a wide receiver. So what we're not going to do is disrespect the career of Cameron Jarrell Newton, yes. because yes. what he did do for this league was phenomenal. And he was a game changer and not a game manager, as he told because he said absolutely thank you ladies and you know what we are <laughs> gonna do though because he's talking about the media being critical and i get it i get it we criticize sometimes and we didn't play and all that stuff or we didn't coach but i'm about to criticize the coach who i've been criticizing and guess what i'm not gonna stop criticizing her because i do not like the way that she handles certain things as a coach so we heard from kim mulkey on a different LSU player 
earlier this week. Let's hear what Kim Mulkey had to say. Coach, we also didn't see Kateri Poole tonight. Is there a timetable? She's no longer with us. So she's not on the team at Correct. all? Correct. She won't be back this Correct. season? Correct. Kim, I just wanted to follow up on Kateri. Was it dismissal or was it a mutual thing? Or She's no longer on the team. Okay. So I just always have a problem with the way this woman deals with the media. Um, and I'll even give her slight grace here, but I probably shouldn't because she referred to Kateri as she, okay? But Kateri uses they, their pronouns, right? So let's properly respect her, respect, I'm sorry, Kateri, and not misgender, right? And so she should know that though as the coach. I don't know that a lot of people know that about Kateri because the way Kateri is written about often, they do refer to Kateri as her. They don't use they, their, them, right? So I'm not sure that a lot of people know, but the coach I'm sure had to know because Kateri goes by them. And also, right, it just, it, it raises questions because remember everything that happened with Brittany Griner and the way that Brittany Griner left. And we know that Kim Mulkey talking to Brittany Griner and saying like, you know, kind of don't be so out there, uh, you know, about, you know, the fact that, you know, you're gay, you know, just she, we know that this was a thing, right? When, when Kim mm-hmm. Mulkey coached Brittany Griner. So I, I don't want to believe that she would intentionally just do this now, but it, that in itself is problematic. But then again, of course, like if this reporter didn't even ask about Kateri, would we even know? And I get it. You can look at the numbers and you can look at the stats and say, well, what's the big deal? She's not a significant player. But Rita, like you always say, the stats don't always tell the story. Um, yep. She was a key player last year. Um, she started in all of their... Um, when they got when they made it into the the, the postseason and and for the championship, she started in all of those games. I mean, Kateri, I apologize. Kateri started in all of those games, and in addition, in addition, Kateri was the person who recruited Angel Reese. Okay, mm-hmm. Kateri is the reason Angel Reese ended up at LSU, and they have a great relationship. They have a great relationship. Yeah. And we, we saw that Angel Reese did tweet and, you know, kind of was just like, you know, sent love. And the only thing we've heard from Terry is that, you know, they did a thank you. So aside from that, we haven't heard any more. And I just think, you know, this per- this player who was important to your team, you could tell us a little bit more, you know, like. It, it just even even if you don't want to tell the, the details, like you know, we're you know we're disappointed. We don't have Kateri anymore because of what Kateri meant to the team. You know, just something. But it's just like I just don't understand um, Kim Mulkey's approach. So again, I'm going to start with you, um, Kelsey, and then Rita give you the last word on this. Yeah, you know, it's been unfortunate. And, you know, I think when you think about a story where the lead is Barry, Poole's story has been just that because we were so focused for so long on Angel Reese, right? And her missing from the team when this was actually happening at the same time. So all that to say, you know, obviously now we know she hasn't been with the team since November 17th. And folks, when you think about it, we're almost at a month since that. And again, we're just finding this out 
on Sunday. But then number two, we know the last time that we have actually seen her or really not play, right? We know she didn't play in that November 14th game. Or sorry, they did not play in that November 14th game. So all that to say, Poole um, is another player that yet once again, we see Kim Mulkey not giving the media, not just the media, like, I mean, I was on radio yesterday in Louisiana, not giving anyone really any specifics. Kind of the only thing that we've heard with the entire basketball team was that there was, quote, locker room issues. Those have not been attributed to anyone, right? So we don't know who those have to be attributed to. But all in all, when we look at pool and what has happened, it's like you said, it was just blank, not on the team, you know, nothing else. And then again, it, like I said with Angel Reese, it allows people to make their own narrative of what happened. I think and what's what we also are forgetting, and it's in pool, we're thinking about someone who transferred to LSU. Um, you know, Nat, you touched on it, their contribution to the championship team last year, but also think about where you are in the season now when you can't play anymore and you think about NCAA transfer rules, that does not put them in a good place at all. And again, we still have no reason why. If I'm a coach, you know, looking maybe, I, I just don't know anything. So all that to say, I think Kim Mulkey continues to do her players a disservice. Um, and let me say this, I'm not saying that Kim Mulkey is a bad basketball coach. Obviously, she's a very talented basketball coach. I'm not taking anything away from her. But in this situation, unlike I'm actually talking about her character and a character that we expect to see in a coach when you are, you know, leading um, when you're leading young people, quite frankly, you know, when you're leading them, not just on the basketball court, but in society as a whole. Right. That's what a coach figure is. So all in all, I just think Kim Mulkey just continues to make us have to criticize her because this is what she continues to keep doing. But all in all, I am you know, worried about pool. I, I wish them the best, you know, because, again, like you said, now we haven't heard anything. I mean, we saw Angel Reese's comments and I love that Angel Reese did that because at least, you know, we saw teammate support, which I think is very vital and very crucial. But once again, we have questions about what would lead to a dismissal at this point in the season and for nothing, nothing at all to come out of that athletic department. It just puts big questions. And I think that means we have to keep the, you know, we have to keep the eye on LSU because we also want to make sure that nothing um, wrong was done, right? We have to make sure that this player is also protected. So I think as media members, this makes me want to look more into this team to see what exactly happened. So I think Kim Mulkey is going to continue to get the questions and I hope she can just continue to take the heat. Yeah, I, I want her to take the heat because the way that she is speaking with the media is, a, is of a person that does not care. She does not care about her job security. I mean, obviously, we know she got uh, a new deal or, or whatever, um, but she doesn't care of, about having to talk to speak to anybody or having to go to anybody and explain herself. She doesn't have to as far as she's concerned. This is why she's not giving anybody any answers. And I just don't think that you should handle things that way. As a coach, a part of what it is that you do is speaking to the media and you're allowing people to come up with their own narratives about what's going on in your program. Do you think that that's okay? The fact that you don't care is bothersome to me because what I, if, if it's not me, then I'm going to tell you it's not me. I'm going to tell you that this is what's going on. And, and, and I'm not suggesting that she is 100% transparent. I'm not suggesting that she airs out her dirty laundry and puts specific people under the bus. I'm simply saying if that if there's a locker room issue, then say, you know, we're just dealing with different personalities and we're just trying to figure out the best team that we can put on the field, I mean, on the court and this, that, and the third. Instead, you're just not saying anything. So you're allowing people to come up with whatever it is that they want to come up with and you don't give a damn. Which says to me a lot about you as a person and not necessarily as a coach when really we should just be having conversations about what it is that you do as a coach so again I, I don't know why she's just okay with oh she's not a part of the team anymore she's not a part of the team the same like you said the same way that she did Angel Reese in terms of her suspension say something 
People are not going to stop asking questions. They're going to continue to ask. And if you keep giving them these answers, they're, and, and if you get mad, because then they come up with their own conclusions based on them speaking to other people on your team, don't get upset because you have the opportunity to debunk any theory that's out there about what's going on with your program currently. And you've decided not to do any of that. So that's problematic right. for her. It's problematic for the media because they, they still have to do their job. They still have to write the stories. They still have to put the tweets out. They still have to do all of these things. And you're just allowing people to, to just make up whatever it is that they choose to make up. And that's just unfortunate for Qatari. It's unfortunate for Angel and everybody else because this affects the team too. You know what yeah. I mean? It affects the, the team and it affects everybody around it. And Kim is not handling, in my opinion, she's not handling this properly at all. Yeah, for sure. It's very hard to know what to make of LSU because they are still winning. They are still winning, but yes. something feels off about the team. And so we will just continue to monitor that situation. But you know who else is winning? Caitlin Clark is winning. She is winning because she just got another NIL deal with Gatorade and her and Angel Reese just continue to, to, to rack up these NIL deals. And so because they do, people keep posing this question or suggesting that these two ladies should not come out of school and other athletes who have these deals and they have the chance both of them to return because they have COVID year so they they can return but to me I just don't get it Kelsey um endorsements exist at the pro level so um hello they exist at the pro level they're not gonna lose like it won't be nil they'll get it in another form and also yep. they will get a WNBA salary so this notion yes. that they're gonna make more by staying in college versus going to the pro level is sort of ridiculous to me but also there are there are other reasons to want to go to the pro level besides just money. So again, if, if, if either one of them chooses to stay, I will support it if that's their choice and that's what they want. But again, I don't know why we're trying to discourage it and not encourage players to go to the pro level. So uh, what, what do you make of this? Um, because, you know, we know the Indiana Fever just got the number one pick. And they are excited in Indiana and they want Caitlin Clark and I want Caitlin Clark and Aaliyah Boston to play together. Just thinking about it now excites me. Okay, <laughs> It excites all of us, Nat. But, you know, just going back to this conversation, let's be honest, we have a lot of newbies to the WNBA world and a lot of newbies to college basketball um, and just women's basketball as a whole. So, right, in their eyes, all of a sudden, because we see women's college basketball gaining popularity, they can't, their peripheral can't see past what they currently see. Not realizing that right now in the WNBA, folks, if you do your math, when we look to next season, we have about 16 players right now on contract that will be making at least $200,000 in salary. Again, that's not their contract. That's what they're making this upcoming season alone. And then as we talk about sponsorship deals, two of the top players, a lot of us followed her in college, one of them being Skylar Diggins, who makes a lot more off endorsement deals and sponsorship deals, um, including her salary, and John Quill Jones. And I think I'm old enough to remember Rita and Nat, uh, Sabrina Inescu and the huge $24 million Nike deal. Like, have we just quickly forgotten that? I mean, I just, it's crazy to me and mind boggling to me. Like you're saying that, that people think that the money drops off. And I get it. The stereotype for a long time is that WNBA players don't make money. And that's the conversation that a lot of people are having. Again, not educating themselves on where things are currently right now. Brianna Stewart, another one. Look at the shoe that just dropped. And Puma, I mean, it's just, again, if you're not watching the WNBA, maybe I can see how 
how you're missing these things. And again, there's a lot of attention right now on Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. And so, of course, every time something happens, but then we get excited as we should be. It's good for college. I mean, I tweeted this. Caitlin Clark is good for college basketball. And if we're honest right now, it's Caitlin Clark's world. We're all just living in it. I mean, the girl just continues to just do it all, leading and scoring, getting these endorsement deals, doing things her way. And I absolutely love it for her. But let's stop that narrative. You talked about it. Her and Aaliyah Boston pairing together. And we saw what Aaliyah Boston was able to do last year, Nat. You look at the starting in a WNBA All-Star game. You talked about it. Unanimous, folks. WNBA Rookie of the Year. And her going to Indiana Fever team that were really trying to bounce back. They had 13 wins this season, better than 21 and 22 combined. And a franchise that's trying to get back to glory days after Tamika Catchings left. I think it's very exciting, you know, and just the possibilities right. of what can happen. And a lot is happening with Indiana basketball, i.e. also happening so all that to say, I love this. And if they come out or not, the WNBA will be fine with the players that are coming out. So just stop the madness and educate yourselves, guys, on what the WNBA does. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Was there anything you I had? I have nothing to add. She said everything fantastically. <laughs> I have nothing to add there. I mean, I, whatever I wanted to say, she said it. So thank you, Kelsey, because I'm dealing with the cold. <laughs> you guys. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> thank you, Kelsey Nicole. I love Nelson. you guys. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. We'll we'll be back Governor Kelsey. We love you. Hey. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Rita, we have been talking about Draymond Green all week, it feels like. Um, all year? What do you mean? <laughs> He's been suspended Get by the, the NBA, definitely. And they, the Warriors did lose again last night, but Draymond is still really the headline right now. Um, we heard from the GM, Mike Dunleavy. We heard from Steve Kerr. Um, I feel like Dunleavy maybe inadvertently alluded to the fact that this may be around 15 to 20 games, or at least in their mind, because he talked about, we'll have to see what the team looks like over the next 15 to 20 games. That just feels like an arbitrary number to drop. Like there has to be some significance of it. But, you know, Steve Kerr spoke and Stephen Curry spoke and everyone's speaking about the fact that like Draymond just needs to get better. And they, they centered him in that way and the fact that he needs to get help. And there's been a lot of Rudy Gobert, Kevin Durant, um, even Nurk, a lot of players, the players that he attacked, <laughs> saying he needs to get help. So, and they're talking about counseling and therapy. So it kind of seems like they're talking about like focusing on his mental health, um, which is good, obviously. You know, Kerr says uh, we have to get the, 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 the Dre that did all these acts, Jordan Poole, other stuff. That's the one that needs to change. 
it's just my only thing is like that sounds really good steve kerr but i feel like this organization has enabled Draymond. Mm-hmm. i completely agree with you you got are you complicit in his behavior that is the question that they need to ask themselves have you allowed this to happen have you not done your part and trying to make sure that this is not a continuing thing and look i get it draymond green is his own man so it's not like i'm taking accountability from him we know that he's wrong right um but did we not go to therapy before? I, I'm just curious to know what the issues were. If he doesn't come out of this, Nat, like Shaquille Sunflower, and if you watch enough Martin episodes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Then what exact change are we seeing from Draymond Green? He's a 33-year-old man who has mm-hmm. been enabled this entire time and empowered. There's nothing, until something happens to him, and by something happens, I mean him get, being, you know, excused from his duties at, as the Warriors, you know, player and moving on and other teams just not wanting to deal with Draymond. I am not sure anything's going to change because the next team would enable him and the team after that would enable him. So there's a lot of work here that's going to have to be done in terms of Draymond being a better person on the field. Cause I, I can't speak about what he is off the court. What, what right. he's doing on the court though is dangerous behavior. And if you can't get a hold of that dude, I'm just not really sure how, how this is supposed to end other than thank you for your time, Draymond. Thanks for the memories. We had a great ride, but right. the, the ride is over. Listen, um, the the thing about that'll be key with Draymond is not just therapy while he's away, but continued, right? And we saw that with John Morant because he was out. They said he went to therapy. It was like a few days. And then he came back and acted up again. And he got suspended for 25 games. I'm still a little funny about how the NBA is handing out suspensions for certain things and not other things. But Jaw spoke today and spoke about coming back. He'll be back next Thursday and spoke about the importance of therapy and how it's helping him. I hope that Jaw's continuing to go to therapy because that's what I think Draymond needs as well. But when you, you and I are two, yeah, you and I are two people that are very pro therapy. We believe in the power of therapy. Um, it is just something that I believe that everyone should at least have a dosage of. And I, what I really hope is that Ja took this this time seriously about therapy and allowed himself to be vulnerable, allowed himself to be open about what it is that he's going through. Because he admitted that there's some things that we don't know about that he was dealing with with his family that we were unaware of. So I just really hope that he took this therapy time and the time that he had off just to really learn himself, who he is, what it is that he's doing wrong, and just figuring out how he could be a better person, how he could be a better father, and even better player to help his team. Because the team really does need him right now. And he, he did admit that he felt like he was letting his team down with everything going on. So we just hope that that, that Jai is getting better. Go to therapy, guys. Have a great weekend. Go to therapy. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. 
with seven drive modes. Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.